when you think of the campaign that has been launched against the public option by the insurance company because they can't take the competition. They just can't take the competition. They, uh, and that the public option should still be in the 60s, 60s, and well over 50%, it's, it's, it's quite remarkable. Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum in Washington, D.C. And I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt in New York City. Today is Friday, October 16th, and that was House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. You heard at the top of the podcast. In the podcast today, we have a great show for you. We are going to talk about the millions of uninsured in this country. Millions of uninsured pets. Cats and dogs. First, we have our economic indicator, and the indicator is 0.7%. Now, that sounds like a good news number. It is how much industrial production increased in September. So economists had expected a much smaller increase. They expected more like 0.2%. So why such a big surge? The answer is cars, 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 or maybe it's clunkers, clunkers, clunkers. It looks like the Cash for Clunkers program had something to do with it, people trading in their old cars and buying new ones with government help. The increase in production overall there was led by car makers who manufactured 8.1% more vehicles and parts in September. And unfortunately, most economists think that this is just a a temporary blip. And in fact, some economists argue that we just got people who would have traded in their clunkers this month to do it in September instead, in which case, okay, September numbers are higher, but October are going to be lower than they would have otherwise been. So on today's podcast, as we've mentioned before, we've been working with This American Life, putting together, believe it or not, an hour-long show about insurance. So if you like the one about the giant pool of money or the one on bank balance sheets, this one is even more awesome. Or it's <laughs> equally awesome. It is gripping. It is fun. I think it's really interesting, and we really hope you like it. You can catch it tonight or this weekend, depending on when your station broadcasts it. And today on the podcast, we thought we'd give you a a sneak preview right now into one of those stories, a story that you did, David, about insurance. Um, And I like it because it just helps you understand what health insurance is and how it works and how it can change things. So, Caitlin, can you take us there? All right. Story starts in a hospital. It's actually a a veterinary hospital. This is uh, the sound of a dog getting $3,500 knee surgery. So if you've never been to a veterinary hospital, it turns out it looks a lot like a regular hospital. Uh, You know, all the tubes and wires and machines and surgeons and anesthetists, uh, except that there's a dog on the table. And David, tell them that. So you actually told me that the dogs get vacuumed before their surgeries? Yeah, before surgery. It turns out if you knock a dog out, you can vacuum them. They don't they don't care. Um, yeah. <laughs> All pet owners, take note. Um, you gotta, and you got to keep things clean, you know, right? It's a it's a sterile environment. So, but th- this is where pet healthcare is now. It has gotten really good, and a lot of people want it. And it's interesting because this is basically where human healthcare was many years ago, like before the turn of the century. If you went to a doctor or a hospital, you know, there's there is a pretty good chance that they'd kill you. Um, healthcare was really cheap but you might die. Um, And it's really just over the last century that we've had these incredible advances. Medicine has gotten so, so good that people really want it. They really want health care, and it's expensive because of all those advances. And and so this is basically where pet health care is right now. 
And like human health care, the more expensive it gets, the more you want something like insurance to pay for it. So health insurance for pets has actually been around for for some time, but not a lot of people have it. It's something like a few percent of pet owners nationwide. But it is growing really quickly at 15 or 20 percent a year. Which the whole thing just kind of makes you wonder if insurance does catch on in pet health care. Is it going to look like human health insurance, which, as I'm sure you know, most people probably would say they're not that happy with human health insurance. There's a lot of waste in the system when you get into human health care. So let's start with someone who actually has health insurance for their pet. In reporting the story, I came across Kristen Zorbini Bongard. She lives in Janesville, Wisconsin. She has health insurance for her pet, Hedgehog. And if you out there are not familiar with hedgehogs, here's here's a quick primer. They are small. They fit in your hand. And Kristen says um, they're kind of like a dog, but but kind of not like a dog. You know, you're not going to go and play fetch with a hedgehog. You're not going to take a hedgehog on a walk because they don't really have a neck, so you can't put a leash on them. <laughs> um, you know, and they can roll into a ball. This, she says, is actually pretty wonderful. It's adorable. It's It's a very wonderful thing to see. You know, when you turn them over on their backs, all of a sudden all you see is, is quills. Um, and it's a wonderful defense mechanism, and that's what it is. But then all of a sudden you see, you know, a nose pop out and two eyes and maybe the front two paws and then some ears. And, and it's a very cute thing to watch. <laughs> so, Hannah, this, this is a classic – get back to economics. This is a classic economic situation where something like insurance evolves naturally because you've got something that you love, a hedgehog, and there is a small risk of something bad happening that could cost a lot of money. Right. And pet insurance, I understand from you, David, basically works like any other kind of insurance. All the dog owners and hedgehog owners and cat owners pay. And, yeah, and, and bird owners and iguana owners and all that stuff. <laughs> right. Any kind of beloved pet, you own your pet and you pay premiums to an insurance company, then that money goes into a big pool. And if something happens to one of the animals, the owners can tap into that pool of money to help pay for the expenses. And that is exactly what happened to Kristen. We first noticed that something was up with Harriet in March. I was um, sort of doing some snuggle time with Harriet and noticed that she had a lump. So I scheduled an appointment for her to get in, and she got in on the 1st of April. And they did a needle, a fine needle aspirate on the, on the lump, and it came back, and they thought it was probably, probably a mast cell tumor. Does that mean it's basically cancer? Is that what that means? Yes. That was, that was a form of cancer. So eventually they, they had the surgery done, and uh, it went well. The tumor popped right out. But you know how these healthcare stories go. Sometimes you come home from the hospital, and it's, it's not over. It seems like she had a reaction to the sutures, and she has um, ripped open. She ripped open the sutures a couple times, had to be stapled shut, and and we actually ended up going in and doing the full surgical suite to see if there was anything left in there that was bothering her. Um, she did end up healing up, but continues to scrape it at it um, infrequently. And so we've had to do some experimenting on her. She's on some um, hedgehog, and I say hedgehog loosely, um, antipsychotics. 
Meaning they're not, they weren't developed for hedgehogs. Oh, no. And uh, as far as we know, we don't actually know that any other hedgehogs have ever been prescribed antipsychotics. The good news is that Harriet is alive and she is back to her snuggly self. Yes, she is very snuggly. She is very snuggly. So how much did that cost? Do you actually have the have the bill? I do. Um, in the beginning, um, the bills were relatively low. <laughs> uh, you know, $374, $150, um, $366. And VPI paid, um, you know, 70% of the first bill, 60% of the second bill, 43% of the third bill. VPI is the pet insurance. Yes. Do you think health insurance saved Harriet? I think it certainly helped. Because you might not have gone ahead had you had to bear the full cost of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I wish you had Harriet there. You could bring her up to the phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can mimic the noise she would make. Go ahead. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Oh, my God, David. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Right. Hannah, so health insurance for a hedgehog, it costs about $80 a year. Uh, in the end, this story, the insurance company, VPI, Veterinary Pet Insurance, put out $802 for Harriet's care. Kristen and her husband had to pay the rest, which was $1,911 of their own money. A lot, a lot of that was for that follow-up surgery she had to do. And in, in case you're wondering, Kristen and her husband, they are not rich. Uh, if they were, she probably wouldn't need insurance. Do you have friends who say... Um, Kristen, we love you, but, you know, that's a lot of health care for a hedgehog. Uh, I bet there are people who think it. <laughs> Nobody who knows me would say that to me. <laughs> David, I have to say I really expected to not have a lot of affection for this hedgehog and for Kristen, but I kind of love her. She's amazing. I know you should see the pictures. <laughs> All right, really so cute. so and and actually, it seems like it's kind of a happy story about insurance. Like you know, insurance worked the way that it should have. There was there was this chance that Harriet could get cancer. No one knew if she would get cancer or not. So Kristen got health insurance just in case. And when the unlikely event happened, she could deal with it. Insurance really helped her be able to afford that full surgical suite. So you out there, maybe you're not a hedgehog person, but this is the thing about economics. It does not judge. Uh, economics wants you to be happy. You want fancy shoes, that's fine. You want a fast car, that's fine. You want hedgehog health insurance, that is totally fine. Uh, unless it turns out you are Tim Hartford. Tim Hartford is an economist. We've had him on the show before. He writes the Dear Economist column for the Financial Times. People write in him with all kinds of questions about love and dating, which he answers using economics. But uh, really, he'll take any question. Okay, dear economist, I have a letter I wrote out here to you. Sure. Dear economist, is health insurance for pets good or bad? That's it. Like, that's, the, that's the whole question. Like any good economist, I'm going to say yes and no. How's that? Hannah, let's just get this out of the way here. Uh, Hartford is not a pet person. He says his parents' cats used to spray on his books. There's just something in me that says, you know, I, I, I've got two daughters. They're enough trouble. They're enough expense. Why would I need to add to that? 
and get an animal that's going to listen to me even less than my daughters do. <laughs> right, but David, you said that is not the reason why Tim Harford was worried about pet insurance. It's not because of it, it is for pets. It's because it's insurance. And with insurance, whenever you use it, it is like you are spending someone else's money. So it tends to generate waste. Yeah, and I told Tim Harford um, that I'd met a bunch of veterinarians and that they did not seem, you know, concerned with making money. They're not the sort to order extra tests because uh, it would increase their profits. But uh, he was still worried. Well, that's true. But human doctors are reasonable people as well. And they're not just in it for the money. I'm, I'm sure the money's nice, but they're all, they also want to make people better. But we know that doctors are constantly, and vets too, are constantly making these marginal decisions. Should I get this additional test or not? And how many of those additional procedures they decide to order is going to depend on a lot of things like how busy they are, the profit margins they make, the likelihood they'll get sued if they don't order the extra procedure. Um, and if you've got a situation where you're going to make more money ordering tests, the dog's not going to suffer. You know, there's a small chance the dog might even benefit, uh, and it's the insurance company's going to pick up the tab. Well, why not? Why not? Yeah. You mean it's just uh, when the system's set up that way, that's how people act? I'm not saying that vets aren't nice people. You know, most of us try to be nice people, but at the same time, there are systems that encourage us to pay attention to cost-effectiveness, to value for money, and there are systems that don't. I ran what Tim said by Kristen Zorbini Bonkart. That's an interesting argument. I can see how that could be, especially for dogs or cats. How come? Um, hey, you know, we have this new vaccine. Why don't we try it on Rover? Hey, sure, why not? No skin off my back. It's covered by my insurance. But, you know, I guess for me as a hedgehog owner, there's just not that much to do. You, you, you're, Harriet is on antipsychotics. Yes. Yeah, she is. <laughs> That's not covered by insurance, though. <laughs> we pay for that out of pocket. <laughs> I know she's on antipsychotics. Oh, my gosh, I know. Can you tell she's less psychotic? <laughs> How can you tell if a hedgehog is psychotic? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Um, so I love that she says, you know, it's not it's not hedgehog people that are going to have the insurance problem, but you know those dog people. Yeah, they dog may... people are different. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but actually, this is what like when you talk to Tim Harford, he kind of felt like pet healthcare is actually set up a little bit better than human healthcare. He kind of warmed up to the idea. Because he said pet health insurance doesn't cover everything. And the fact that Kristen had to pay a chunk of the bill, he liked that. So, Hannah, the way it works for this insurance policy is that the insurance company has a chart, I have a copy here, saying how much they're going to pay for each procedure. So arrhythmia or a pacemaker or gastric ulcer, it lays out how much the insurance company is going to pay. And if it ends up costing more than that, and it often does, you, the pet owner, have to pay the difference. And you, the pet owner, always also have to pay a copay. Tim Harford, the economist, he loves this system. He is on the side of economists who think this is a really great way to keep healthcare costs down by making patients, or in this case, pet owners, think about what they're doing and what they're spending money on. Now, we've talked about this 
before on the podcast. There are economists who think this is a really good idea. And then there are economists who think, no, that would be a disaster because if people have to pay too much out of pocket for health care, they're less likely to you know, pick up diabetes medication or get a mammogram, stuff that they really need to do. Right. But Tim, when I told him about how pet health insurance is set up and structured, he actually got kind of excited. You're making me very hopeful, actually, David. I, I, I now have a vision that people are going to see pet insurance. Maybe they'll see that there's a better way. Maybe pet insurance is going to be the beacon that inspires us to reform human health care insurance. That's a beautiful dream. Well, I like to dream. I'm an economist. I'm a romantic. Is part of the problem that for... Is one of the differences that for for pets, I think we're kind of used to the idea that that they're going to die at some point, that we're going to live longer than they are. And, and, and I, I think that's part of the way we think about pets. But when we think about ourselves or our parents, that's much harder to think about and to talk about. I think it is. And clearly, when it comes to the life of of your wife or your husband, your child or your own your own life, that seems absolutely overwhelmingly important. Uh, whereas we're used to the fact that the vet could say, well, you know, it's going to cost you three thousand dollars to to keep give your cat an extra six months of life, and you think, well, sorry, cat, that that's that's just too much. So we do think in a more hard-headed way. I think about our pets. Now, about cats, I mean, I I have friends, Hannah, who would sell their car to pay for their cat's health care. So no, I, know I love not... my cats. What's that? I love my cats. Yeah, I meant you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, everyone obviously is not going to agree with Tim there, but it, it turns out most people do have a limit for what they will spend on their pet. And the veterinarians actually have a name for this. It's called the stop treatment level. The industry measures it. It is the dollar amount above which people say, okay, um, this is the end. And in 1997, that number was $576. In 2007, just 10 years later, it had more than doubled to $1,451. Veterinarians, by the way, they, they hate it probably more than anything when they have to put an animal to sleep that they could fix because the owner can't pay. They have a name for that, too, and they call it economic euthanasia. And that is another reason why some veterinarians are urging pet owners to get health insurance for their pets and why the market for this might continue to grow. I, I hear from Caitlin that Harriet the Hedgehog is pretty cute, David. She is very cute. We're going to put a picture on the website, yeah? She's nodding to us right now. Yes, it will be on our website, npr.org slash money. And this weekend, you can listen to This American Life. We've got stories on hedgehogs and the strange origins of our health insurance system and about red pills and blue pills. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Thank you for listening.